So hi, my name's, uh, my name's Phil. I'm part of the team here at Jubilee. It's uh, my privilege and honor to be bringing God's word to you today. And um, I just want to say for the record, I'm not the warm-up person for the offering. All right, so that's not what I'm doing today. Okay, so don't feel like that at all. Um, it's great to see Brian. I remember Brian when he was 15, 16 in my youth group, right, right scally. And um, that's been polite. And now to see him serving, um, serving his wife and um, on his third sort of church plant, fourth church plant, I can't keep up. Um, it's just like, it's amazing. Wow. Who knew? Well, God knew. That's who knew. And so it's incredible. Um, what I want to share with you today is um, about embracing the poor and um, the poor being co-equal partners in the gospel. And that's what I want to f- focus in today. And um, t- today, hopefully, right, what I'm not going to do is fill your head with like more scriptures and more knowledge. But what I really want to do more than anything else is to speak to your heart. Because this is a, a heart thing. It's like God's heart and our hearts coming together to be changed so that we can be all that God has created us to be and, and called us into. So that's, what, that's where I'm going today. And... Um, the scripture that I'm going to look at is um, Psalm 113. It's a really familiar scripture with a lot of you. And uh, verses 5 to 8, and it says this. Who is like the Lord our God? The one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. And he seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. I don't know if you've ever had a need in your life and you were once in an ash heap. You see, um, when we talk about the poor, we often um, focus in on the material poor. But I was once really poor, spiritually. And I was in the ash heap. And God lifted me up through the power of the gospel. He changed my life. I was broken, I was lost, I was blind, I was ignorant of the things of God. And and God came in, and because of what he did on the cross, he came and he he wiped away all of my sin and and gave me a new life. Let me start again. And I, I would just encourage you, before I go any further today, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, then you can be lifted from the ash heap and you can be sat with princes. You see, I'm now part of a royal priesthood I'm royalty said to the person next to you and say you're royalty now now say it like you believe it (laughs) you're royalty you're a royal priesthood you're a holy nation that belongs to God you're not as you were were, you're different Something, something happened and you were changed he lifts the needy from the ash heap I love that the, the thought of being in an ash heap where you're, you just sat in the dirt and that's all you've got is the dirt in which you sat and God comes along and he, and he, and he translates you and he, he lifts you up in, into a, a place. When the kingdom of God comes, things change. 
And that's, that's what it's about. It's, it's like it's about lifting up the poor. And as Steve and Fusey so eloquently said, we see the poor as co-equal partners in the gospel. We, we, we don't look at the poor as a project. We see the poor as those that we work with. This scripture that we've, we've just read, Psalm 113, verses 5 to 8, is obviously taken from 2 Samuel, uh, chapter 2 and verse 8, where Hannah, um, the wife of Elkanah, prays this prayer because she's been, she's been praying right, for a child. Elkanah was um, married and had two wives. Now, that's trouble for a start, isn't it? You know, he's got two wives... He's got um, Panina and he's got Hannah, and, and, he, and he, for some reason he loves Hannah more. Uh, we don't know, is it, was she a better cook? I'm not sure. Um, but he, he, loves, he loves her more, and unfortunately Hannah is barren, and she, she's praying to God, and, and she's in her desperation and her brokenness, she's asking God to provide this child. And she says to God, if you give me a child, God, I'll, I'll return him to you, I'll give him back to you. I'll, I, I'm, so, I'm so desperate that I'd... I just, want, I just want to have a child. I just want to have this baby, and I, I'll return him to you. And so she, she has this child, Samuel. Sam, Samuel, who becomes the great prophet of God and the, the leader of Israel. And, um, and, she returns, and once he's weaned, she returns him. And then she prays in a prayer. She says, he lifts the needy, from the, the poor from the dust, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. You know, that's her prayer. And, and so whoever wrote the Psalm uh, 113, we're not sure who wrote it, that's what they're trying to get across to you. There are some things that we, and I include myself in this with you, is that there are some things that we need to learn that we can't learn in church. There's some stuff that we need to learn that we, we can't learn here in Jubilee. We, we can't learn it here. It can only be learned as we partner with the poor. We, we, you know, you can't go to um, a seminar on, on the poor and, and be changed. Well, you can, but there are some things that you need to learn that you can't learn here. If we, if we gave away everything that we had, if we abandoned everything that we had to, to get to God, um, that would be really, really difficult for, for some of us, wouldn't it? I mean, Paul, imagine getting rid of you. Is it an Xbox or a PlayStation you've got? Yeah, uh, you see. You know, imagine that it's all got to go. Everything's got to go. You've got to, get, you've got, to get, got to give it all. Whatever it is, your house, your car, your money, your bank account, your, your iPhone, your whatever it is that you have as, as precious, your, your nice clothes, and you, you, you get rid of it all so that you can get to God, and we would struggle with that because we're so rich. But not with the poor. Not with the poor. They don't have those barriers. And, and so they're, they're at an advantage to us. I've sat with the poor and watched them give away everything and been amazed. Been, been amazed at how this, this person can, who has nothing can, can give everything that they have. And, 
and I want to tell you that I have not, I've not got there yet. I, I've, not, I've, not, I've not arrived at that place. As much as I love, I love God, I love Jesus, I, I love him so much, but I'm, I'm still not at that place where they are. Do you get it? I'm not there yet. And so that challenges me. They challenge me. When I sit with, when I sit with the poor, especially in, you know, not, not so much in this nation, if I'm being honest, right? I'm not talking about rough sleepers here. I'm talking about what Steve was talking about. You know, the, the poor that are in those nations that are completely broken and busted up. You know? I'm talking about those places. James 2, um, verse 5. James, who's um, the brother of Jesus, who then goes on to be the leader of the church in Jerusalem, and he says this in, in verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? Question mark. Has he not chosen these ones? Why has he chosen these ones? He's chosen them because they've got an advantage on you and me. That they, they trust God more than you trust God. That's hard, isn't it? That's why Jesus said, you know, it's how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. We have barriers. And so our um, co-equal partnership in the gospel is, is based on the fact that there are things that we have to support the poor. There is our education. There is our resources. And there are things that they have to teach us. And so as we come together and we work together, we get changed. This morning we came into this beautiful building and, and, and with our new snazzy boiler, we were even a little bit warm, aren't we? And, um, you know, and yet um, Trinity Church in Zomba, um, the whole church went round to Brown's house this morning, Brown and Christina's house, and they um, picked up the chairs and the speakers and the banner and, and whatever else they've got, I don't know, and they walked two miles in a procession carrying it to the local primary school to do church. That, that blows me away. And I, and I know that some of us have been in church plants, but I've never walked two miles with a, a load of chairs in my hand to do church. I'm challenged by them and their love for God. I asked him the other day, um, so what would you like me to pray for you, um, Bram? What's, what's going on? And, and he said, oh, we're, um, we've decided, um, having prayed and fasted and gone up the mountain to pray, we've, we've decided that what we're going to do is we're going to buy an acre of land and we're going to grow vegetables for the poor. I love that. I'm learning so much from them. You see, our partnership is, is co-equals. They, they teach us so much more they, about ourselves and about our, our hardness of hearts. 
There are over 2,000 verses in the Bible that speak about the poor. And so I love the fact that as a church, we've, we've kind of like gotten hold of that. And as a movement, we really understand that, you know. Um, you know, God is for the poor. God loves the poor. Jesus humbly identified himself with the poor. The parable, I love the parable of the, of, of the banquet, where he says in, in Luke 14, verse 21, go out quickly into the streets and the alleyways of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Say, the servant said, you have, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. And listen to this. Then the master told his servant, go to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. God wants the poor to be seated with us. And they, they will teach us a lot of things and we will partner with them. When Jason and I were in um, Joburg last year, um, I won't tell you about our story of getting into a scrape. Jason can share that with you in private, but we got into a bit of a scrape. We had a bit of a, um, an interesting episode. But I sat, with this, I sat with this guy called George. So George is Congolese. Yeah, for the Congolese. Yeah? It's Joshua there. So George is Congolese, and he's living in um, a town, um, just in a township in Joburg. And um, George and his wife um, reach out to drug addicts in this very, very poor township. And what he described to me when I was sat with him, it just made me weep. I'm going to try and tell you without weeping. So he said to me, I said, well, what's, what's your ministry? What are, what are you involved in? What, what is it you're doing in this township in Joburg? And he said, well, what I do is I go up the mountains with parents of drug addicts and spend the night praying. And then we come down and go and talk to these, these guys that are on drugs. So I said, all right, okay. And he started to tell me stories of how some of the guys in his church had come off drugs because they'd gone with the parents to the mountain and prayed and then come back down and then they'd gone to see them and then they'd, they'd, they'd engage with them. And, and he was telling me how bad it was. And I'm like, what? And I, at first, I, I, I couldn't like, comprehend it. So he told me that because they're so poor and they're addicted to heroin, what they do is they, they, one of them gets some heroin and they inject it. And then four of them might connect each other up with, with pipes, um, tubes, so that they all share in the hit. Horrendous. I mean, that, that's horrendous. And I said, well, what? I said, well, what happens? He said, well, every day people die. Every day you see bodies in the township where these people are. And then we go and pray for the families. What courage to work in such a place as that. What grace is on that guy's life. Totally amazing. And God is on the side of the poor, and that doesn't mean that God um, loves the poor more than he loves us. He doesn't, he doesn't love them more than, but he is biased towards them. And again, as soon as we understand that, the better for us. 
that he doesn't, he doesn't love you. He doesn't love them more than you, but he, he's biased towards the poor. And that's because of justice. God is concerned about justice. And while God may not show partiality when it comes to his love, when it comes to issues of justice, God is not neutral. He's not neutral. He's there to bring justice. That's why he came. And we've got a, an apostolic mandate from God to, to go to the poor. Galatians 2, 9 to 10 tells us all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor. And Paul writes, the very thing that I've been eager to do all along. Paul and the team get this instruction from the um, Jerusalem elders and their exhortation was for them to remember the poor, to go to the poor. And I wonder if it's because um, they knew that they've got some lessons to learn too, that we've all got lessons to learn as we go along. And you know, it's, it's a calling on each of our lives. It, we can't do it by association. You know, it's something that we've all got to do as we go through life. We've got to remember the poor. Remember the poor in your prayers. Remember them in your WhatsApp messages. If you get an opportunity to go on a trip and go overseas and go and sit with the poor, do it. Take it with both hands, please. Put it down as something that you've got to do. It'll change your life, and it's not easy. It's hard. It, it really is hard. But it will change you. And it will change you in a good way. 1 John 3, 16 and 17 was the verse that really, really got me when I, was, when I was a much younger Christian. And this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Question mark. When we, when we turn our gaze away from the poor, it makes me wonder what heart we've received. I remember, um, I'm not going to mention any names, but I remember a church leader um, that I knew who'd helped um, a church in Malawi with a, a new roof. Um, they'd kindly given us some money, and um, they gave us the money, and I said thank you. And as I was going out, out of the door, he said to me, I hope they're not going to keep asking me for money for other things. And I was absolutely shocked. And I turned around and I said, of course they will. Of course they will. But the poor, they're always going to be asking you for money. They're always going to be asking you to help because of the poor. And it's not wrong. And you, and you, do you know what? You can't always, you, right, you, you, right unless, you, unless we've got some secret millionaires in here, right? We can't always meet the needs, can we? We know that, don't we? We're, we're limited, aren't we? God's not limited, but we are. Right? So if God wants you to do it, he'll give you the resources to do it. But, you know, they will always be asking you for more. Just be prepared. And that's hard as well, isn't it? You know, when, 
when somebody comes to you in need and you're not able to, make, to, to meet that need for whatever reason. That's hard too. Can you put up a, um, the pictures that I brought? Is that possible? So, um, in, tw- in, in t- sort of 20... 2008, 2010, no, 2008, I um, went out to Malawi for the first time. I wanna, I'm just telling you how my heart got completely busted, just so that you know. Because it has been pretty busted. And I ended, up at, I ended up at this house. I went to see some people in the community, and I ended up at this house, and I'm looking at this house. I'm thinking, is that a house, or is that somewhere where they keep the animals, or what? What's going on? You know, I'm a Western guy. I've not been in Africa much. I've been there for maybe um, five or six days. Um, it's a, a house made of mud bricks. It's got, um, it's got grass on the roof. And, um, and then I met three little girls who'd several months ago lost their parents. And I was there to, um, I was there to meet child-headed families. And that whole kind of like thing just... Oh, the injustice of it, and the, the I, I just could not believe that there was such a thing as child-headed families. Like, what the, what? What does that even look like? And, and so I went to this house, and I met um, three little girls. Next picture. So this is um, Mubiji, um, Delphia, and Aisha. And this is... This is, the, this is taken sort of like probably two years after I'd met them. And the little girl in red, Mabiji, she was the head of the household. There was no, there was no door on the house. Um, there was no um, parents, no aunties, no um, family in the local area. There was a few neighbors that were helping them from time to time, but they were completely alone in the world. Completely alone. Which is really the, exactly what I needed to see. And so, um, Shine Relief Trust that, we, that Debs and I run in Malawi was set up really because of children like the BG. Delphia and Aisha. This was before, this picture was taken before Shine Village was built and we had accommodation for children to come into. So our team had to start supporting them with food and, and visits and looking after them. And then eventually they moved into, um, Mabiji went on to do education with us and the other two went on to um, go to school and live in Shine Village. And um, Delphia was just, uh, nine, she's now 19, she's just left and Aisha was still with us. Mabiji's married and in, in her twenties. It's incredible. Right? It's incredible the brokenness. And when I had to get in the car and drive away and leave them there, that was so hard. But the thing is, is that um, there's this thing about being co-equal partners in the gospel. And um, We work together. So in, in, in Shine, we, we don't have any white people at Shine Village. 
right? Deb's an, people sometimes say, why don't you and Debbie go to Malawi and, and work in, in Malawi? Well, first is I've not been called. I've been called to Hull and to, to Jubilee. But um, the second thing is, is that I would just get in the way and mess things up with my white Western um, viewpoint mindset. I would just, I'd mess it all up. And so what we do is, because we're co-equal partners, we encourage, we pray, we empower, we provide, so that they can do it, and so that, that our, our, awful, our UK's got an awful colonial past. I don't know if you're aware of that. We've got an awful, awful, awful record of going into other nations and screwing them up, just like the US are doing. But, you know, and so because of that, God said, no, you stay here. And you go and visit and encourage and take teams. And you, 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 you get the gospel going and you plant church. One of the best things that we do with Shine is that we, we share the gospel every day with the kids that come to our nursery school, most of whom are Muslim. These three girls that you've just seen were from a Muslim background with names like Mabiji, um, Delphia, and Aisha. They're from a Muslim background. So the best thing we do is share the gospel. We're co-equal partners in the gospel. And as we, as, we, as we embrace the poor, as we work alongside the poor, as we, as we engage with them, as we walk out our faith with them, what happens is our hearts get changed. Now, you might find that quite uncomfortable. I've cried a lot of tears. You know, real, do you know that real men cry? You know that, Mark, don't you? You know, real men cry. You know, real men cry because we're supposed to be compassionate. We're supposed to be able to show our feelings. We're supposed to have hearts that are open so that God can come in and, and mold and shape our hearts. Many of us need the hard casings of our hearts smashing open so that God can come in and he can make our hearts and reshape them to his design. One of the amazing things about Regions Beyond is that as, we, as, we, um, as we're co-equal partners in the gospel, we have lots of opportunity to engage with people from nations that don't have what we have. We are so rich and so privileged, and we don't realize it. So I thought what I'd do now is we'd just um, um, have a couple of minutes to pray. So would you all like to stand? If you're able to stand, let's stand. Isaiah 58 says that if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. I love that promise. If you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes. Father God, we ask that you come by your spirit and that you'd come and, and touch our hearts. And that, God, you would call each one of us into that deeper walk with you. And that for each one of us, we would allow ourselves to go there and to face poverty and brokenness. Face the things that 
are difficult for us to look at for the sake of the gospel. And we pray, Lord God, as we, your people, are called, we pray that we would go and we would transform as we partner with the poor, that we would transform this world, that there are nations that we've not even been into yet would be transformed in the name of Jesus. That you'd send us, Lord. That you'd start with us. We pray for our hearts. Lord, would you come and remove our hearts of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Give us your heart. In Jesus' name. Amen.